uh, I want to thank the marriage committee yesterday for a wonderful day. Uh, I will say, after I get done preaching today, you'll probably say, let's not ever take the preacher with us anywhere because he's always going to find a sermon. So, yesterday I went to see the ark with a number of married couples from our church had a wonderful time and I was uh, quite amazed Uh, they've reconstructed the ark of Noah uh, actual size dimensions it's quite impressive quite impressive so bear with me today as I preach about this particular subject because uh, while everybody else and I was taking pictures and walking through but uh, some things were happening in my heart as I began to experience that yesterday. And so I want to read three scriptures, three passages of scripture. And it's great to see all of our, everybody here today. We're so glad you're here. Uh, I want to preach to everybody that the Lord has gathered here today because I know the Spirit of the Lord, the, the Spirit of the Lord brought you here and He brought you here for a reason. And I want you to, Uh, Give me your undivided attention today. I want to ask this, and I don't think I'm out of place being as God has called me to be the shepherd of this local congregation. I want to ask you to give me your undivided attention. I'm going to ask you if you need to go to the bathroom. Right now is the time to do that. Right now. I'm not going to preach so long that your bladder's going to bust. So if you need to go, go now. If you slip out during my sermon, Please don't come all the way back to your seat. Sit in the back if you would because when you go in and out, you can be a distraction. Please be aware of that. Somebody say amen. Because what I'm preaching today, I hope you understand that we're not always guaranteed an opportunity to be gathered together to hear the preaching of the Word. So this service is vitally important because eternity is being weighed in the balance today. My greatest prayer is that someone will be baptized in water today. My greatest prayer is that somebody be baptized in the Spirit today. So with that in mind, that's the focus of why I'm coming to this pulpit. With that in mind, that means everything else is secondary. Everything. So I'm I'm asking for your undivided attention, if you could please do that. Genesis 7 and 1, Matthew 24 and 37, Hebrews 11. Verse 7, we're going to read those three passages. Genesis 7 and verse 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Matthew 24 verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that were before the flood, Everybody say before the flood. All things changed after the flood. But in the days that were before the flood, they were eating, drinking, and marrying, and giving in marriage until the day, until the day. Everybody say until the day. Until the day that Noah entered the ark. I'm going to tell you something. When Noah entered the ark, something changed. It didn't start raining for seven days. But when Noah got in that ark, all the eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage stopped. Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, 
being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world. By doing that, he condemned the world. Did you hear that? Let me say something to you. You don't have to say one thing to be a condemnation to this world. All you got to do is do what God asks you to do and the world's not going to like it. Just keep on being faithful. It condemns the world. It puts you in a bad place because you want the world to be your friend. But you can't be a friend of God and a friend of this world. Everybody hearing what I'm saying? All right. He prepared an ark by which, by preparing an ark, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Would you pray with me right now and ask the Lord to help us today? Lord, I thank you for the people of God that are here. I thank you for their love for you. Lord, I thank you that that love for you is brought into the house of God. They were sensitive to your spirit today. I pray, God, right now in the name of Jesus that you would open my heart to deliver what you've put there to this people that you gathered here today to hear your word. Speak to us, Lord, in a mighty way. I pray that a backslider would find their way back to you, Lord. I pray that somebody standing here today that's going their own way, I pray today would be a day that they would submit to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm going to help the preacher preach today. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I would entitle this lesson today or this sermon today, The Eighth Person. The Eighth Person. Everybody say that with me. The Eighth Person. I guess if I would have a subtitle, I could call it Everything I Ever Needed to Know I Learned from Noah's Ark. As I uh, encountered what I encountered yesterday, I, I, some things immediately rushed to my mind. I didn't really say much about it, but these things just kept boiling up in me. And I, I thought, well, you know, that would be a great thing to, to talk to people about. Everything I ever needed to know, I learned from Noah's art. I guess the first thing that struck me yesterday was don't miss the boat. Don't miss the boat. The boat will be launching shortly. Don't miss the boat. It's important that you be on the boat. I guess the second thing I learned from Noah's Ark was, remember that we're all in the same boat. (laughs) Not a bunch of little boats going to the same mountain. No, we're all in the same boat. We've been bought with His blood, redeemed by the cross of Calvary. By His grace we are saved. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. If it weren't for the Lord, we wouldn't be here today. We're all in the same boat. Something else I learned from Noah's ark, plan ahead. It wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. No, there was 120 years of dry desert, rainless uh, work. 
but he just kept on doing what he knew he was supposed to do. Something else I believe the Lord said to me yesterday, he said, stay fit. You'll never know when you're 600 years old, somebody might ask you to do something really big. (laughs) In fact, let me rephrase that. Elders, this pastor needs to hear your prayers in that prayer room. Because you never know when all you can do as a 70-year-old is do something really big. Don't think the days of my usefulness are over. You never know when you're 70, God might ask you to do something that He's never asked of anybody else. Don't take it for granted. Something else I learned as I walked around Noah's Ark, don't listen to the critics. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Don't listen to the critics. Somebody told me, your friends don't need it, your critics won't believe you anyway. Just get on with the job that needs to be done. Something else I figured out yesterday, build your future on higher ground. Go up into the mountain and build your future. Don't build it in the valley. There's a better place prepared for those that love the Lord. I learned something else yesterday. For safety's sake, God showed us it's better to travel in pairs. Everything that got in that ark was paired up. You can't make it by yourself. I wish somebody would say amen in this church. You can't make it by yourself. You need this church and this church needs you. This worship service needs you. You don't realize it and you think pairs, you think I'm talking about men and women. Some of you so carnally minded, you just think I'm talking about you know, somebody liking somebody else and they kind of going through life together. I want to say to you today, there's somebody in this service today that needs your testimony. I'm not talking about pair up with spouses. All right, everybody find somebody and let's all get married. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody in this room needs to see your hand go up some point in this service. Somebody in this service needs to see a tear come out of your eyes when we start talking about how good God is. Somebody here needs to hear your shout. And you may think, well, there's not that many people here that need to hear that. No, they may be a saint of God that's walked with God for many years. Somebody needs your testimony today. Somebody needs to feel your arm of encouragement Come on, it's better to travel in pairs. It's better to have somebody else in mind when it's time to get on the boat. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord. I I can't tell you, and I got a lot of sermon here and not much time, but I will say, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, well, I didn't get much out of it. I didn't feel much in that. I, I don't get that. I, 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 and we think because the iPhone and the iPad uh, has I in it that our language can, can mirror the society in which we live that is I-focused. Well, I'm sorry. The Bible says but don't, don't be conformed to this world. The way they're thinking is not the way I ought to be thinking. So I cannot leave this service today thinking, well, I didn't get this or I didn't get... Maybe my attendance here is not just for me. Maybe my song here today is not just for me. Maybe it's for somebody in this room that's paired up with me in the spirit that needs to hear a word of encouragement. 
Anybody glad to be on the boat? Anybody glad to be in the old ship of Zion? Come on. It's better when we travel in pairs. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Something happens when we all begin to worship God. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now and praise him. Something else that struck me yesterday as I climbed that long plank up into that huge boat. Speed isn't always an advantage. Snails were on that ark with the cheetahs. You don't have to be the swiftest to get on. You just have to make up your mind you're going to get on. Bless God, I may not be. Those cheetahs have ran by me four times going up and down this ramp, but bless God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to just... I'm just going to keep on keeping on. I'm not turning back. Come on, saints of God. You may not be as fast as you used to be, but bless God, I'm more determined than I've ever been. (laughs) Do you feel that way today? I'm not as energetic as I used to be, but I got a lot more determination than I used to have. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. I was walking underneath that big old beast of a boat and I thought, huh, no motor anywhere. That led me to this thought. When you're stressed, just float a while. Just float. Nothing wrong with just floating. I thought yesterday also, although we have this mentality that these... um, Pre-flood individuals were pretty ignorant, you know. We're, we're so advanced, we're so smart. But those dudes were smart dudes. You just read the first five chapters of Genesis and find out everything they discovered and everything they came up with, Mr. Fancy Pants. You, you can Google everything. They didn't have Google, and they did that. They didn't get any degree from any university in engineering and they did that. These were smart dudes. But remember this, the ark was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. Sometimes because it doesn't make much sense doesn't mean God's not going to stand behind it. Sometimes by the foolishness of preaching, I think, man, that's some foolish preaching, but God uses that to save some that believe. Something else I learned on my way to see Noah's Ark, no matter the storm, when you are with God, there's always a rainbow at the end. Thank God. I learned something else yesterday. The days of the rebels are numbered, but the days of the righteous, days of the righteous will never end. You know how emphatically I learned this? I drove out of the parking lot yesterday getting ready to come home and I noticed a news van across the highway. I, I thought, at first I thought, well, that's odd. They don't want to come inside to do the story on Noah's Ark. They're kind of across the street and getting ready to evidently do some kind of story. And I thought, well, that's, you know, they must be going to take a long shot. 
And so then I turned out of Noah's Ark and I started down the little road, head to the interstate, and lo and behold, here comes about 100 people with placards and signs. And, and I thought, well, I wonder what this is. The first one I noticed says, don't let your theology mess with my democracy. The next one I noticed said, here's my church. It had an arrow pointing down to his midsection. Yeah. So another one said, God's not dead nor alive. He never existed. I thought, I wonder how long Noah's been dead. I wonder how long it's been since the story of that ark actually happened. And look, 2017, he's still upsetting folks. I mean, think about it. The dude is cold in his grave, but you can't stop his message. You can't cease the voice of that faithful man. And they're still mad about it to this very day. I want to tell you right now, the days of the rebels are numbered, but the days of the righteous will never end. Come on, keep on being faithful. Don't quit now. Don't cease to be what God wants you to be. Come on, oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Oh, praise God. Cheryl said, I think it'd be cool to get your picture by the door. I said, no, I, I, don't, I don't think I want to do that. I think I probably would have caused a spectacle at the door because it was ringing in my ears brother Rob God doesn't close the door on men until men close the door on God I was a little afraid I wouldn't be able to stand in that I know it's some dude that had a lot of money and just built an ark I know he's making money probably hand over fist but when I begin to think that God doesn't close a door on anybody until they close the door on Him. So that leads me to this message today about the eighth person. It's amazing that in Noah's obedience in building the ark, Noah made it possible for the water that should have drowned him to become the element that actually saved him. The water. The water. Everybody say the water. The water. See, while everybody else yesterday is looking at the massiveness of this boat, I'm thinking about the water. Because the Bible tells us that Noah's day was a wicked day. They were eating and drinking. That didn't have to do with eating and drinking per se. Somebody say amen. Uh, because you got to do that to live. But it had more to do with their focus more than on their activity. People were obsessed with the social aspect of living more than their spiritual responsibility. I'm going to say that again. People were obsessed with the social aspect of their life more than their spiritual aspect of their life. Church is not a social gathering, although there's wonderful fellowship here. We got to be faithful because we love the Lord and He's called us, simply put. The Bible says they were marrying and giving in marriage. 
That means not that marriage is wrong. No, in fact, I believe marriage is right. But it, it tells us that people exhibited a non-committed lifestyle. They were not committed to anything. Marriage was a means of simply satisfying a fleshly desire. For you'll read in Genesis 5 that they chose wives based exclusively on their fleshly attraction. <laughs> not knowing the time, ignorant of the evil state of their world, they were completely unaware of the condition of the world that was all around them. They were busy living and not knowing what time it was. Somebody say amen. For in Matthew 24, if somebody could find me a handkerchief, I would really appreciate it because I think it's gonna, there's going to be a flood this morning. <laughs> Matthew, and just if you've got one, just run it up here. Thank you, Brother Craig. Thank you. I, got, I may need two, so hang on to it. Thank you, Brother Craig. Sorry. Well, uh, thank you, brother. That's a nice one. I think I'll keep both of those. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> Remind me to give it back to you. I sure wouldn't, wouldn't want to miss the boat because I took your handkerchief. Matthew 24, verse 39 says an emphatic, uh, is an emphatic statement that says that they did not know what time it was. Matthew 24, 39, and they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I can imagine the conversation in the marketplace. I can imagine a couple of ladies laughing about Noah and his family building a big old boat out there on the dry ground. It was a laughing matter. I can imagine some of the men discussing Methuselah. That dude is so old, he'll never die. He gets sick and keeps bouncing back. Somebody said, oh, he'll die one of these days, mark my words. And his very name meant, when he dies, it shall come. There was evidence all around them of what time it was, but they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. I'm sure in the marketplace there was rumors and, and, and whispers about Enoch and that strange disappearance I wonder if they said anything about aliens, UFOs. Somebody said, I think I saw him. It was a chariot and he just went riding off into the sky. Strangest thing I ever saw. Strangest thing I've ever heard. The time clock was ticking and God gave them plenty of evidence. If they would just become aware it's amazing to me the faithless response that this generation had to all of the testimony. Second Peter chapter two and verse five says that Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter two and five says Noah was a preacher of righteousness challenging the wickedness of his day. And when people did not respond positively, it's pretty much evidence that they do not believe the message that is being presented to them. I'm going to say that again. When people don't respond positively, it is evidence they don't believe what is being preached. I'm going to say that again. When people do not respond, it is evidence that they don't believe what is being preached. 
So when the preacher says it's prayer time, I'm gonna give a little evidence that I believe what the preacher's preaching. In other words, it's not okay to not respond. Noah, true to the first preacher of righteousness, he just kept on preaching. They kept on ignoring the altar call. They kept on laughing through his sermon, sleeping through some of it. He just kept on preaching. But as it was in Noah's day, Inaction was a choice that would reap an appropriate response from God. Inaction. When they cried, he didn't respond. Why? The door had been closed. It was also amazing to me that in this account we see the wonderful plan of salvation. Grace through faith. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. I don't want you to ever forget it. All the grace lovers of which I am one, they love this verse. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Everybody say amen. amen. But don't forget, a few verses later, Genesis 6, 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. First Peter 3 says that God waited on Noah to prepare the ark. God waited on Noah. Yeah, God could have spoken the ark just formed. Yeah, he could have said, okay, all you trees lay down and pile up there and we're gonna have a boat. No, he waited on Noah to prepare. Why was he waiting? He was waiting for one person to hear a message. He was waiting for one person to say, I'm getting on that boat. And I want to tell you right now, you can say all you want to about the coming of the Lord, whether you believe it or not, but he's waiting on this preacher one more Sunday to get through with this message so that you might have one more chance. God is waiting. The ship of Zion is getting ready to leave here. God is not going to wait forever. I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind to get on the boat this morning. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Noah found grace. Somebody shout, Noah found grace. Yeah, but don't forget verse 22, and Noah did. Everybody say, Noah did. That's right, because if grace don't move you to do something, you're not affected or infected by grace. Now look at this, Genesis 7 and 1. God said to Noah, come into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous. Look at there. Oh, I'm saved by grace. And you don't quote the rest of that verse. You know what makes you righteous? It's your response to grace. Noah found the grace of God. He was given a message that says, I'm gonna destroy the earth, and you got an opportunity to get out of it. That's grace. That message is for everybody here today. The earth is going to destruction, but you've got an opportunity to get out of it. God's grace has appeared unto all men. But you've got to do something with that grace. You've got to get out of that seat and say, I'm going to do everything that God commands me to do. For then the Lord will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. 
Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. First Peter 3 and 20, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing within few, that is eight souls were saved by water. Somebody shout saved by water. Shout it again. Shout it again. Shout it again. And say, why in the world is he making us shout? Shout it again. Shout it again. You know why your pastor's telling you to say it again? Because some nitwit that doesn't have the brains God gave a... I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord, I want to be on the boat. You gave them a brain, but they're not using it. I'll say that. Somebody's going to tell you, oh, you don't have to be baptized. You can be baptized or not because the water don't do anything. Wait a minute. How in the world? What, what are you doing now? Are you going to tear out 1 Peter chapter 3 and tell me that God doesn't mean that? Saved by water. Saved. Well, you're not so convinced. Well, let's go on. Verse 21. The like figure unto. In other words, what happened to Noah is the same thing that happens to you when in baptism you are saved by water. You gotta be baptized. I'm sorry, but that's the word. Baptism doth now save us. So you tell that preacher that tells you baptism doesn't save you. You tell them that that diametrically opposes the word of God. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna believe God more than I believe some theologian. I'm gonna, I don't care how many initials he has after his name. Baptism saves you. You need to be. Do I have any people here that believe that? Come on, baptism saves you. Clap your hands under the Lord today. Yes, it does. Somebody shout, saved by water. That's exactly right. And if you're going to be saved, you're going to be saved by water too. So, let me hurry. I got 19 minutes. And for Andrew, who's the only one that counts anymore, Smith, that is, I'm closing. I'm not sure where he is, but somebody text him and tell him, Brother Gene's closing. I want to focus on one verse just for a few minutes here. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, if they just want to leave it up there, Hebrews eleven seven, just for a little while. I know I've got some other scriptures. Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. There's a number of phrases as I just kept reading that. That verse just kept plowing through my mind. And the first phrase that was just like a neon light going off, it was warned of God. Warned 
of God. See, that was the grounds of Noah's faith. Warned of God. See, our faith can't rest in feelings, but in the Word of God. In fact, let me give you a little example. Romans 10, 17. You know this verse. Lovely verse. We quote it a lot. Faith cometh by... Oh, see, we know it. And what? Hearing by the Word of God. That's right. But interestingly, the previous verses speak of how beautiful the feet of them are that preach the gospel of peace, that preach glad tidings of good things. That's in verse 15. It says how beautiful the feet of those that preach the gospel. Well, I'm not sure that Burner has pretty feet. But the message he brings distracts me from his physical feet to the feet that brought me the gospel. The beautiful feet of the preacher that preached the glad tidings to me. Thank you for coming to me with the gospel. Your feet are beautiful. But notice verse 16. Verse 15 says the beautiful feet of them that preach the gospel. But notice in verse 16 they have not all obeyed. And then the writer asks, Lord, who hath believed our report? Somebody say amen. Then the verse, faith come by hearing by the word of God. But look at verse 18. There's why I want you to focus. Faith comes by hearing by the word of God. Look at the next verse. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out into all the world and their words unto the end of the world. Did you hear that? That says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. The next verse says they've already heard enough. The sound has already gone out. They've all heard. Then why haven't you believed? If you, I know, I know some of you are a little discouraged because I preached in Wichita Sunday before last and Canada last Sunday. I wonder when I'm going to hear some preaching. You've heard enough preaching. You're spiritually overweight in reality. You've heard enough preaching to be a believer the rest of your days. <laughs> Clap your hands to the Lord. Another phrase, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen. That was the sphere of Noah's faith. That was the world of Noah's faith. He said, you know, of... He was warned of God of things that had never happened. Oh, that's crazy. That's never happened. No, it hasn't. The dead's never been raised out of the graveyard all simultaneously caught up in the sky. No, we've never seen that before. But it's going to happen. We walk by faith and not by sight. It wasn't the clouds that made Noah decide to build a boat. <laughs> See, this is the problem I have with people that just want to be saved to miss hell. See, Noah did not build a boat because he saw some clouds gathering and thought, huh, it's fixing. No, he did not build a boat just to get out of dying. God said, I want you to do this, and Noah had to choose to obey. <laughs> 
The world thought he was an enthusiastic fanatic. All things continue as they are from the beginning, they said. It's never rained and it's not ever going to rain. No one had ever seen that kind of judgment, but I want to tell you, it came and it's coming again. I feel such an urgency in this service today. Andrew just texted me, glad to hear you're closing. Make sure, wait, we're going to get that out here. Let's see, make sure. Andrew, glad you're closing. Make sure you have them send another text when you're actually closing. I'll do that. Somebody text him and tell him he's missing a real good sermon. In fact, I just might as well text him here in a while. Since you do it in church, I might as well just stop and check Facebook, see what you've been doing. Wouldn't that be great? Preacher's preaching, he just gets distracted. Oh, I got a text. Let's see what that is. Oh, look, my Facebook, somebody likes that statement. You wouldn't get much out of the sermon, would you, if the preacher did that? Well, that's why you're not getting much out of it, because you're doing that. All right. Somebody in here is obeying their pastor for once. Text Andrew. Okay. He probably got 50 texts in the last 10 minutes. We ought to just stop and all 230 of us text Andrew, right? His phone just blows up. Moved with fear. Everybody say moved with fear. Oh, he wasn't afraid of the clouds. No, this is the character of Noah's faith. He wasn't moved because he was afraid of rain. No, he was moved because he trusted God. He respected God more than he respected the cloud cover. He respected God more than he respected his reputation with the world in which he lived. In fact, the Bible has a, a statement about him that says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Charles Spurgeon made this statement, he who does not believe that God will punish sin will not believe that he will pardon it through his atoning blood either. He who does not believe that God will cast unbelievers into a lake of fire will not be sure that he will take believers to a city called heaven either. If we doubt God's word about one thing, we will have small confidence in it upon another thing. God said it, I believe it. There was evidence of Noah's faith. He prepared, moved with fear was his character. Prepared an ark. That was the evidence. James chapter 2 says we're justified by faith in the eyes of God. Listen, we are justified by faith in God's eyes. But I justify my faith by what I do. In fact, read Hebrews chapter 11 and you'll see that in every case recorded that faith is justified by works. Do what I did in my Bible. Underline every verb. By faith, whatever they did, underline it. You'll see that faith is dead without action. Not only did he prepare an ark, but Noah had a witness. 
Noah had a witness of his faith. It's not enough just to believe behind your closed doors because you believe judgment's coming. You're preparing yourself. There's a witness of that preparation. Notice the phrase, condemned the world. Everybody say that with me. Condemned the world. He did not do that with his lips. He did that with his faith. His actions, his righteousness, his testimony condemn the world. You see, the nature of a believer is completely opposite to the nature of a sinner. In fact, Romans 14 says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So you got one choice or the other. Be a believer or an unbeliever. What is sin? Well, sin, the definition is, it's lawlessness. Sin is not simply an action. Smoking dope is not just sinful because it's an action. It is lawlessness that is a sin. Sin is an attitude before it is an action. See, an attitude of lawlessness says, nobody tells me what to do. I do what I want. I'm self-willed, I'm self-asserted, and I'm self-dependent. Ain't nobody gonna get in my business. Sin is an attitude long before it's an action. And you know what faith is? Faith is more than an action too. It's an attitude that says, Lord, whatever your will is, that's what I want. (laughs) And there's a great gulf fix that separates the faithful and the unrighteous. For we walk by faith, they walk by sight. We live for the glory of God, they live to do what they want. We live for eternity, they live for every day. Every child of God who's walking or living by faith condemns the world by just believing. Their conduct in their life is a silent rebuke on the course of the ungodly in this world and all that's in it. Make no mistake about it. Those folks that printed all those signs and made their death-defying march up to Noah's Ark, make sure you understand that one man just obeyed God 6,000 years ago still gets on somebody's nerves. But I'm going to keep on being faithful. I'm going to keep on loving God. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm going to keep on standing on his word. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody worship the Lord right now. His very life. His very life was a witness for God. His very life was a witness for God. Uh, I'm drawn just for a minute to the life of Jonah who disobeyed the Lord, kind of went his own way and did his own thing, got gulped up for it and then got puked out for it. And, and uh, here's a man going into the capital of Assyria a strange nation, a strange tongue. He don't, he's not even speaking their language. But he keeps preaching, repent, repent, repent. It wasn't his words. I don't know how many there even knew what he was saying. But he was a living testimony. He was a walking testimony. 
that except you repent, you shall perish. How many saints of God here today, we, don't, we need your life to be a living witness for Jesus Christ. Another phrase, he prepared an ark, he condemned the world, and became an heir of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Study it yourself. But the Bible tells us Noah inherited something, righteousness. This is the first time the Bible ever uses the word righteous. Not the last time, but the first time. So if all that Noah did, because of that, he became an heir of righteousness. Make no mistake about it. That if you're going to be righteous, it's going to take some effort on your part too. The first man the Bible called righteous is Noah. The last will be those that make it to that shore. Who are these? These are they that have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. These are the righteous. We made an effort to be there. Yeah, it's tough to roll out of bed on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'd much rather, you know, I can get out of bed early when it's time to go hunting. But it's tough on Sunday morning. But I'm going to make the effort. Can't tell you how many times we've all worshipped, and many of you and me included, worship with pain in our bodies, sickness in our bodies. But bless God, I'm, I'm going to the house of God because I'm going to make the effort. I want to inherit something. And then I draw... Andrew to a final close <laughs> to the saving for the saving of his house there's the issue of Noah's faith right there the issue why would he believe like he believed why would he work like he worked for 120 years, taking the same text, preaching the same sermon, save his house. Salvation is definitely a personal matter, but the Bible is full of household salvation. Abraham, <laughs> Rahab, the man that was sick with the palsy, the jailer in Acts chapter 16, quizzers. Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, yes. Faith brings a blessing of God on a family. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Father, man, woman, your faith brings a blessing on your family. I can't tell you how many times I didn't want to go to church on Sunday morning. I can't tell you how many weekends I spent playing softball on Friday night and Saturday into the midnight and early morning hours and coming home in the middle of the night. There was no question about it. I know you're tired, but if you can run the bases for two days, beat your brains out for a little old trophy, bless God, you're going to be at church on night at 9.45 on Sunday morning. And when you thought you were a little too big for your britches, you got to pull down your britches and you got wore out. 
And mom said, you got another thing coming. I didn't know what that meant. You, that's another thought coming if you think you're going to play around all weekend and miss church. Oh, thank God for a family that knew I'm doing this for the saving of my house. Let, let me say something to you fathers. Why should you worship? You say, well, I wish you'd get off. No, I should not get off worship because I want to tell you something. I'm not just here raising my hands for me. I want my family to see what you do when you're going through the storm. I want my family to see a testimony of how you act when you're sick. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to bring my faith to the house of God. And I'm going to act like I enjoy it because I do enjoy it. I couldn't get away from this one verse, 2 Peter 2 and 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah. Say the next three words with me. Eighth person. See, in God's calculation, Noah was the last person saved. Eighth person. Three boys, three wives, his own wife. That makes seven. Noah was the eighth. In my mind, Aaron, Noah was the first person saved. But in God's calculation, Noah was the last. The last man on the ark, Noah. You know what that means? His entire family in God's eyes went before him. You hear me? That means evidently the way Noah was living his life, he was constantly thinking, you know what? It may be the last thing I do, but I'm making sure my boys are on that ark. If I die trying, I'm going to be the last one. I'm, I'm going to be the last in line because I want my boys saved. I want their wives saved. I want my wife's... Oh. Oh, for some parents today, that would be the eighth man. That would be the eighth person that would say, you know why I'm going to pray? Because I want my kids in heaven. I want my children. Oh. I want my family saved. Come on, do I have any of those kind of people here? I'll be the eighth man. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Come on. The Holy Ghost. Come on, let's reach out to the Lord right now. Come on. I love you, Jesus. Singers are coming. I, I want you to sit down. I, I feel the Holy Ghost, but I don't want you to quit praying.
Let's just pray while we're sitting just for a minute, Lord. Have your way right now in this service. This row right here. This row right here. Come here. Come here. This row right here. Terry, won't you come with them? Come on. Come on. Right up here. Terry. Terry. Terry Byers. Come on. Come on. No, I'm sorry. Terry, you can be seated. Yeah. Miscalculated. Thank you. Okay. Turn and face this crowd if you would. Now, I know we don't have a we don't have a male to female ratio, but count them if you would. There's seven up here. I'm the eighth. The eighth person, Bill. You know what that means? That means I don't know who was first, but I definitely know who's last. Eighth person. Noah's the last one. You know what that means, Connor? That means that Noah made up his mind to stand between his entire family and a dying world. He said, no, I'm going to be the barrier between you and a dying, perishing world. If you're going to leave this ark, you're going to climb over the faith of your daddy. You're going to have to go past the weathered, torn hands of a man that believed God so emphatically that he wouldn't let you have a day off. No, we're going to church. We're building that ark. Oh, you want to leave? You're going to have to climb over the eighth man. Thank you. You see, I wonder how many in this room would say, I'm willing to be an eighth man. To say, Pastor, I'm going to stand between my God-given child in a world that wants to devour their ever-living soul. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship when I don't feel like it. I want to tell you, faith for a child when they reach adolescence is difficult enough. What about when you don't know what you believe? What about a Noah that says, I'm building this ark, but I'm not sure I'm getting on it. It's good for you. You go ahead. Oh, no. Nobody's on that ark if that's the way you believe. What about it, mother, who says, you know what? I don't want my kid to be sick. I don't want him to get run over by a car. I don't want anybody messing with him inappropriately. What about it, mother? Are you going to be the eighth person? I'm standing between my child and a society that wants to devour his soul. No, if you choose to bail off the ark, you're going to have to pass by a praying, faithful, God-fearing man. I thought about it yesterday. There are two words when I walked off that boat that just kept coming to me. Cries and care cries care I thought about that old preacher no one I wonder if Noah ever wondered if he had preached good enough I wonder as a preacher I'm sure he probably said you know I should have held the altar open just a little longer did we sing the right song Did I say the right words? I don't know how many times Noah left the pulpit, went home and said, 
they're not listening. I wonder if anybody's listening. I wonder what went through Noah's mind when all those animals began to gather on that ark. Did you hear that? I wonder what went through his mind when those two snails started four months ago. They're halfway up the ramp. Keep on, boys, girls. I wonder what he thought, Aaron, when all those animals, two by two, I wonder if that old preacher thought, does anybody see it? Hey! Does anyone notice? No. Nobody noticed. Strange things happening. Animals jumping out of the trees and leaving the rest of the animals and going up into an ark. They didn't see it. And riding in that ark, any preacher worth his salt would remember the cries of those people. I don't know if he could even hear them. That boat was gargantuan. I've heard people say, yeah, you heard them beating on the door. I'm not sure you could even hear them. But any preacher that is going to preach 120 years, even without hearing them, I'm sure he could see their faces. I wonder, Brother Todd, if there was one last look back out the door that was closing all by itself. I wonder if there was one last look by this eighth man that says, I'll be the last one on. If there's anybody else that wants to come, come on now. I wonder if there's a last look at an unbelieving, laughing generation, totally unaware, reminding you of how foolish you are to believe. I wonder if it ever haunted him in that year in 17 days he lived on that boat. I don't know if he could hear him. But they had to wander through his mind every night of the storm. I wish they'd have listened. I wish they'd have listened. And after 40 days of continuous rainfall came to an end, it got really quiet. And riding in that ark, any preacher worth his salt has to dust his hands and say, I did my best. And all of a sudden, you realize the great responsibility of caring for those that have answered the Spirit's call. See, the eighth man is going to always think, I could have done it better. What can I do to get them out of their chair to the cross of Calvary? But in the final analysis, that preacher says, you know what? I've done everything I can do. Now it's time to care for those that have answered the call. So I rise to this pulpit today to call to every laughing, sneering, unbelieving, unaware individual that thinks you can live the way you want and nothing's going to ever happen. I've come to tell you the old ship of Zion is about to disembark. 
But I'm also here to care for everybody in this room that has made up their mind I'm not missing this call. I've come to tell you, saint of God, your faith is not in vain. You didn't do all this in vain. You haven't worked this hard to be without a reward. God has a place prepared for those that love Him. Keep on keeping on. Worship Him when you don't feel like it. Believe Him when you don't understand it. And even in the toughest storms of life, saint of God, even in the toughest storms of your life, thank God that you're on the old ship of Zion. I'm headed somewhere. It's going to be worth it all. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. The altar call is what comes next. How amazingly we say a lot of words to God when we're with a bunch of people. We say a lot of words about God when we're with a bunch of people. But we have few words to say when it's just us and God. I wish we'd flip the script today. I wish somebody just quit talking about God and conversing about God. And those things are important. But I wish you'd say more to God in this private moment than you have all week to everybody else. I wish right now you'd begin to pray. Come on with your head bowed and your eyes closed. I I wish you'd begin to pray. God, let this word find a place in my heart. Come on. That that means you. Prayer means you say something. That, That means a sound. Come on. Prayer means a sound. So so pray. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you in my life. I don't want to miss what you're doing. Come on. And while you're praying, I know there's no altar bench up here. I understand it's difficult to kneel. So maybe kneeling's out of the question. But but maybe if you if you can, and maybe if you want to, you can kneel. But maybe if you can't, maybe you could just stand. But right now, with everybody else just praying and sitting, I want those of you that God's speaking to you right now. You may have been saved most of your life. You've been in this church longer than anybody else. But the Spirit's talking to you right now about your distractions, about getting ready, about your faithfulness. Come on, you're here today and you're full of your own way, doing your own thing, and you realize today you've got to believe. Come on, would you just rise up out of that chair? And would you make your way to an altar? I'm believing God for a backslider. I'm believing God for somebody that's never been baptized. I'm believing God for somebody that's never spoken in tongues and been born of the Spirit. Come on. Come on right now. Come on, rise up out of that chair and say, I want to be ready. Give me anybody that wants to be ready. Anybody that wants to say, Lord, let me know what time it is. Come on. Come on, rise up. Surely there's more. Surely there's more. Come on. Come on. The eighth man is crying today. The eighth man is preaching today. Come on. I'm going to stand between a dying world and a righteous gathering today. Come on. It's time to get on the boat. It's time to get on the ark.